another episode of the Always Worthy Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Windley Speckman. I am so excited to be podcasting today because I feel like it has been so long since I have been able to podcast and I've been wanting to like ask some guests to come on, but life has been so crazy. I just haven't been able to, but I haven't forgotten my podcast. I still love it and I still um, see that people are listening to it. So I just want to thank you guys for, I don't know, just like caring enough to listen to my creations. It, it just means a lot. It, it feels like you guys are like doing me a favor. <laughs> well, I usually write like notes down and kind of like a layout so that I know I hit all the main points that I want to talk about. Uh, it feels less chaotic for me that way, but this time I did not do a layout at all. I'm just going to speak freely about my experience at the Sapria retreat and um, tell you guys about it because I, I know a lot of my followers on TikTok had questions about the retreat, like what exactly it is, everything that we did, did it help me, um, things like that. So that's what I want to talk about today. So... <clears throat> First of all, a lot of you know I was not looking forward to this experience. Um, it's Sapria is a retreat that helps adult women who had sexual assault in their past as children or minors. Um, and somebody from TikTok had referred me to go on this retreat because I, I try to speak openly about that trauma that I had on TikTok. And um, I was like, okay, well, I had to go through a application process and then they had to approve it. Um, and it kind of went by super fast. Like I, it's like, I kind of didn't want to do it, but at the same time I was like, okay, well, let me go through the motions. And I kind of just didn't think that I would follow through. <laughs> But I did. And so um, I submitted the application. I had a call with a, I don't know exactly who she was, like a, I'm not sure. I don't know if she was a psychologist or, or what, but she um, asked me a bunch of questions like if I was addicted to any substances or um, if I had like bad nightmares or if I feel like I could like go away and, and face that trauma. And I was approved to go. And so they sent me a list of times that I could go. And it was, it's for four days and you stay overnight in the mountains. They have a retreat in Utah and they have one in, um, oh, I just forgot it. Georgia? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Yes. That sounds, that's, I think that's right. Um, so I went to the Utah one because I am from Utah. So it was in Springville, Utah, and it's up in the mountains. Um, it used to be called the Haven Retreat. And I think that is so appropriate because when you get there, it is just this, for me, it was very snowy all around. And so um, it was like a winter wonderland. And you go to these gates and they're just like, Think of, like, the gates of heaven, okay? That's what it was, like, resembled to me. So, the gates would open, and then um, you go over this bridge under this, like, structure that's kind of like a dome, and then you see, go, come around the corner and see this gigantic house in the mountains, just, like, nestled away by itself. It looks 
very similar to what I would think heaven would look like. Um, and you just, you feel like you are, are away from the world because you do not have Wi-Fi and you do not have service. And I thought that I might be a little bit, that might be hard for me because as a creator on TikTok, I am constantly looking at my phone. I'm constantly like talking to my followers and, and, and commenting and answering messages and creating content on each of the respective apps. But I didn't even, like, it didn't phase me. I have no idea how, but I didn't carry, I didn't even carry my phone with me. I had to look at the clocks that they had and remember how to read a clock face instead of looking at my phone. It was just crazy. So anyway, that's how I got it. I wanted to do it as soon as I possibly could because I was afraid the longer I waited, the the more I would dread it and the more I would chicken out. So uh, I wanted to go in February. That didn't work out. So I ended up going in March. And it was the most rewarding experience I have ever had. But it was a struggle getting up there because I am very bad with directions. Okay? Very, very bad. So instead of, in my GPS, instead of putting salt um excuse me springville which is where the retreat was i put salt lake and salt lake city is 45 minutes away from springville so i had calculated all wrong when i was supposed to meet them and uh, i was freaking out because i got there and we were supposed to meet at a smith's marketplace which is a grocery store for anyone who's not in utah and i it took me to a residential area and i was like this isn't right i know i've screwed up i know i have so i called them and they said oh yeah like you're in salt lake this is in springville and i had 20 minutes to excuse me i had 40 minutes to get there and i only had 20 minutes to drive there to do it so i knew i was going to be late and i was so upset with myself because i really thought that i was going to miss it and i knew i knew i didn't want to go but I knew I had to go. So I was bawling real hard all the way, trying to make it, trying to make it. And I was on the phone with the Supreme people and they were like, well, we don't think that you're going to be able to like make it in time before we have to leave and, and make sure everybody gets up the canyon. So I was pretty much panicking and um, I was like driving 90 miles an hour, sobbing on the freeway, which is not safe. I do not recommend that. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, but I knew I had to, to somehow get there. So they told me that they were going to give me the address to this like big house in the mountains. And I told them, I said, I'm very concerned because I'm very bad at directions. And I knew I was going to lose service on my way up there. So I was going to have to find it myself. And they said, we're confident that you can do it. We'll send you the directions. And I almost just turned around and went home. And then in the middle of when I'm driving 90 miles an hour, a huge rock flies up from somebody else's car and hits my windshield. Okay. I'm not talking like a pebble. Like it was, oh, that's too bad. You have a chip in your windshield. No, I thought it was going to break my entire windshield and it left like a crater in my windshield. And I've never, ever, ever had a chip in my windshield before. So I was just like on top of everything that happened. That was just like the straw that broke the camel's back. And I called my husband and I said, I think I'm going to turn around and go home. I can't do this. And he said, Rachel, I really think it would be a good idea that you stick it out and 
and I think this would be good for you. So I told myself, okay, I'm going to give myself one shot to find this place in the mountains. And if I don't find it on my first shot, that's it, I'm going home. And luckily, I did find it. Um, or I wouldn't be here telling this story. But that was just an experience that was insane. I felt like maybe this is the universe telling me that I shouldn't go. So I get there and there are these ladies that help like take my luggage and everything. I didn't even have to touch my luggage. I literally just opened the trunk and they like took care of it. Like so sweet. And then I get in and they like take me to my case worker. I think that's what they called her. Yeah. A caseworker. And like she gave me my binder or a little folder and she told me what everything was in it. And then I got to take a tour of the house. So they had like a fountain in the house, like a huge fountain. Okay. And that was the middle of the house. And then there were these like, there are these like stairs that go a grand staircase that goes up to like the bedroom area and so we were sleeping in bunk beds and um the kitchen was insane like there was a chef like not just somebody who cooked stuff but there was a chef his name was Colby and he made the most interesting like cool creative delicious food I don't I've never had food that exotic before like one time we had spicy granola for breakfast like, who would even think to do that? It was, it was, it was different, but it was good. Like, just crazy stuff. Like, and all we had to do was sit down at the table and eat. It was just crazy. Um, I'm going to get into, like, the really good parts of this. So, I'm just, like, setting the scene for you. So, one of the first activities that we did, that one of the things that I took away like, big, huge main takeaway is we did something called kintsugi. And I have never heard of kintsugi before this, but what it is, is um, there's a, like, a old, like, Chinese proverb, I guess, where there's this king, and he always drank out of the same tea bowl. And he would, like, take it everywhere, and he, that was his favorite tea bowl that he would drink out of. And one day he broke it. And it, it didn't, like, shatter, but it cracked into pieces. And so he took it to somebody, and that man used, like, something similar to epoxy, but he mixed in gold powder with it. And he put it together with the gold powder and the epoxy. And the king was very, very happy because he knew that the bowl wasn't going to look the same, but when... He, the bowl was returned to him, put back together. He didn't realize how beautiful the bowl was going to look with that cracked, the cracked look with the gold powder hold it, holding it together. And so we each got our own little bowls that we could choose. And I picked one that was like turquoise and had little flowers on the inside. I felt like that was very just representative of me and my personality. And we, we broke it. We put like a towel over it and literally took a hammer to it and mine shattered like it didn't shatter but it broke into a lot of pieces uh, I was the first one I volunteered I wanted to do it first and um, it was funny because I was the first one to volunteer but I was the last one to f get done and it was like very therapeutic like 
putting the epoxy on and then putting the pieces and like finding out how to put it back together. And of course, it's very symbolic of, of course, how we get broken and how we try to piece ourselves back together. Well, I noticed that I wanted to really rush and put the pieces back together as fast as I could, but I had to have patience. The epoxy was, they said it was fast drying, but in my opinion, that shit dried so slow. And you had to sit there for like two to three minutes with each piece and just be patient and hold it together. Sometimes our our pain is like that. We, we expect ourselves to mend and heal so quickly, but that does not happen on our timeline, right? Or as fast as we want it to. We're, we're, we feel like we're holding ourselves together and then get frustrated when we can't function because we just haven't allowed ourselves to fully heal and put those pieces back together with patience. Well, as I was getting done and like the time started going by, I noticed that other people were finishing And I was not even close to being finished. I didn't have even half of my bowl done. And the time was running out. I started to get a lot of panic in my soul. Like I could feel like my my chest just getting tight. And I knew I felt this intense connection to my bowl. And I, I just couldn't leave her in pieces and I started referring to my bowl as her because I really did see my bowl as as myself. And I, I couldn't bear to see her broken and and left in pieces and left alone in in the dark, in the dark cupboard. I because so much of my life I've felt in pieces and I felt alone. And I couldn't bear to see my bowl like that. And so I said aloud because I was, I wanted to finish. I wanted them to give me more time to be, to be finished. I said, I I feel a connection to this bowl. I can't leave her. I can't leave her broken. And one of the therapists who was watching us uh, finish these bowls, she looked at me in the eye and she knew exactly what I meant. She knew exactly what I meant by I can't leave her. And she looked at me and she said, we'll keep her safe. And she said, you can come back and you can finish, but in the meantime, we'll keep her safe. And that was an experience that I'll never forget. Sometimes we need a safe space, right? We need somebody to take our pieces and, and keep them safe for us while we remain broken and, and fragile. Sometimes that can be a friend. Sometimes that can be family. Um, sometimes that can be a higher power. Um, I myself am a believer in Christ. And for me, I feel like uh, my higher power, Christ, has taken my broken pieces and kept them safe for me. Because like I said, we don't heal healing is not linear. Sometimes we have a plateau where we might not be able to put our pieces back together, but it's possible to be whole again if we just allow ourselves the time and the patience to to hold our pieces together while we can, when we can, when we feel like we have are in a good mind space to do so. I did go back 
later that night and that day felt like it lasted forever. I just kept thinking about my bowl and I, I just felt sick the whole day because she she was left broken in a cupboard. And um, I, I went back at like nine o'clock that night. It was very important to me to finish my bowl. I couldn't rest until she was whole again. And luckily I was able to go in there and, and finish her and I was the last one to do it. Nobody else was in there. Um, the poor caseworker had to stay in there with me alone because nobody else needed to finish their bowl but me. Uh, but I finished her and she, I looked at the finished product and I, and I said, wow, she really is beautiful. Sometimes we break into many, many pieces. Sometimes we may chip a piece. But there was a piece um, of my bowl that I had a hard time getting in. Like, it, the pieces shifted, and um, it was hard to get them in exactly as they should have been. And she kind of, that piece sticks out a little bit. But sometimes we're not able to put all of our pieces back together, and that's okay. Sometimes we need to leave parts of us behind in the past. And that's, that's beautiful, too. What I've noticed is that I love individuality. So when I looked at all of the other participants and attendees' bowls, I could see beauty in every single one of them, but none of them were the same. And I think that that is so powerful. And I hope that you know that your pieces, your broken pieces can become whole. And you can be beautiful. And you are beautiful. One of the things that we did um, on the retreat was something called support group and I would like very much um compare that to almost like a group therapy session we had like the counselors who would lead the session to make sure that nobody said anything like triggering or that it was like a safe space for everyone uh and then we would just like share what was on our mind and one of the things they said was headlines not details so it's like if someone had like written an article it would be like you know so and so blah so and so or whatever no like details nothing that you could like draw up an image in your head so that way that like nobody would be triggered because we all went through something similar and obviously it is very triggering um speaking of that during this part i do want to just insert a little bit of a trigger warning um this is meant to be like healing so uh i'm not intentionally triggering anyone but this was a retreat where uh you know these we as women were sexually assaulted so um i just want to insert that in this section specifically so that way if you feel like you need to step away please feel free to do that but in this support group um yeah we could pretty much say anything as as long as it was not details. So I volunteered to go first and I really kind of like set the mood. <laughs> I feel like for that whole session, um, what I said was very heavy and I'm going to share it on the podcast, but uh, I do want you to understand that it is very heavy. It's very personal. Um, so hopefully... Um, we can be respectful. Uh, I just don't want to have any DMs where, like, people are making fun of me because I have gotten a lot of 
mean messages and like comments lately um so this is very personal but what I said was um I have a hard time validating my story because like I gaslight myself all the time about it because with my sexual assault I was lucky enough to get away before I was raped and um because I wasn't raped I it's almost like I don't feel like I can consider myself a survivor because I hold those people at a very like very highly I hold them very highly in my head and because like I wasn't raped I don't feel like I can be considered a survivor and sometimes I wish this is really messed up and I understand that like it's trauma is not rational in the brain and so therefore we think unrationally but this is like my truth and sometimes I like wish that I had been raped because then maybe I would feel justified in feeling the things that I feel because I still have the trauma of a sexual assault survivor because that's what I am but I don't feel like I can can be considered that. And so when I have like all of these triggers, all of these awful feelings, all of these like very scared moments in my life, for example, I hate, I can't travel alone. Like it scares me so bad to travel alone. I can't like take the garbage out when it's dark outside. I can't like go to the store by myself without having a lot of anxiety. I can't just like function like a human. And it's because of that trauma that I went through um, and I don't feel justified in feeling that way and also other things that I feel because I, I wasn't raped and I feel guilty almost. I have like survivor guilt that that I wasn't raped but other women were and like what's why am I so special like why did I get to go away but these women who are like so strong and and mighty had this happen to them. And I know that, like, I'm downplaying my story. It was extremely traumatic for me. Like, it's not like I, like, nothing happened to me. Obviously, things happened to me that I did not consent to. And, like, I got really roughed up. Like, I had bruises and, like, I got thrown around, you know? So, it's, it it, it, it was horrible. It was traumatic. Um, But I, I shared that with the group and kind of just ended it at that and one thing that the therapist said was that we couldn't like offer advice and so I think people were scared to say anything after they had said that so after I finished I was kind of hoping like honestly praying that I somebody would would say no Rachel like you you are validated in your feelings like you were hurt but nobody said anything like all they said was like thank you for sharing like and like that was like I was I bore my soul like I I that was that's very dark secret of mine and I shared it and like nobody said anything and so I was like really disappointed um like not even therapists said anything I'm not sure if they're supposed to or what but then everybody went around in a circle and I kind of got to understand everybody else's trauma and like what they had been through um and I I've felt even worse after after they had shared what they went through because my story was so different from everybody else's but after the group was over one of the sweet ladies um I'm not gonna say names 
just to keep their confidentiality um because uh, I, I a lot of a lot of women like even their families didn't know they were there so I just want to be respectful to them but one of the women and she was an older woman that came I just love her um she looked at me right after like everyone was getting up to leave and unprompted she said you you went through something awful and trauma does not have um it does not choose it does not choose like race ethnicity color it doesn't choose you know one circumstance over another it hurt you suffer you didn't choose that it was painful it's still pain and she said you deserve to feel the way that you're feeling and uh, I just teared up because that's exactly what I needed to hear and then um one of the other girls who was actually my roommate and I feel very close to now as a sister she said she compared it to losing a child you know whether you lose a child in the womb or at like two or or 35 you're still losing a child it still hurts it's still painful you can't compare it you know you can't compare any of those ages to of loss you still lost a child and and they that really comforted me out of the whole experience i felt closest to those participants and i stayed because of them because the second day on tuesday i woke up and the first thing i said out loud was i want to go home because at that time i had learned we went to a class called trauma in the brain and i learned all of like my ptsd symptoms and kind of like what my abuser had done to me and i felt i had all of them like all of these awful icky disgusting parts of me i can contribute to my abuser and that made me feel sick and and like i i didn't want to be there i didn't want to exist anymore and uh I almost said, hey, can you open the gate because I'm going to leave. But I didn't because I, I was so invested in seeing the growth of the other women that were there because I really, really, truly care about those women. And um, I stayed. And I'm I'm so glad that I did because uh, that same day we had a class called Aspiration. And we talked about the lotus flower and i've always loved lotus flowers i've had no like specific real connection to them i've just thought that they were very pretty and unique because they they bloom on like pond mucky water and it's nice to have something beautiful and something so dirty but the analogy that they gave us um these lotus flowers they their seedlings are at the bottom of of dirty mucky icky disgusting water and they actually can't develop in fresh water. They have to have the muck and the gross, awful yuckiness. When they bloom, and they can stay dormant for years, even hundreds of years. And when they do bloom, they come up to the surface of the water. They, they reach the sunlight. They open up. And once they do, because of the, la- the wax-like consistency on those petals, it sheds all of that disgusting muck and dirt and mud and it just sits there beautiful receiving the sunlight 
and when it's time to to close up um, and be done for the day, it goes back into the mucky water, down to the bottom of the pond or wherever it resides. And it does that. It's it's a very resilient flower. And my my group, we really connected with that analogy because so often I think we think of ourselves as the, the mucky, yucky, awful stuff that we didn't want for ourselves and we stay there. But this flower decides to be beautiful anyway and sheds all of that and becomes more and it becomes individually beautiful because not one flower is exactly the same. Just like all of our stories, all of our stories as sisters in that retreat. Um, And we did this analogy where it was like a diagram. So the roots of the uh, lotus flower was our trauma. And then the petals, we wrote on the petals something called post-traumatic growth. And we've all heard of PTSD, post-traumatic disorder. But post-traumatic growth is something I had never heard of. And so we found out all of the things about ourselves that we love that happened because of this trauma and that really brought me out of my deep dark awful pit of despair feeling because all of those things that I found out about myself because of that resulted because of this trauma I would never change I would never have this podcast I would never have started my TikTok in order to reach women who who need help I I would never do my Zumba class uh I would never do any of this. And those are the best parts of me. Those are the parts that I'm the most proud of. And because of that, I don't think I would change anything. I don't think I would change having that trauma. I don't think I would want to erase it like I have for years. And that was really a turning point for me. One more experience I want to share and then (laughs) I don't want to give it all away in case any of you decide that you want to go. I'm not sure how much they change it, but uh, it was just, I could say so much because I I loved, I just, I loved it so much. But in the, excuse me, in the same um, aspirations class, we did like a guided meditation where um, we thought about our older self and um, I've done it before, but I, I've done it with thinking about my younger self. And I feel like that really contributed to my experience of, of seeing my older self instead of younger self. Because I, I always want to give my little self, like a little Rachel, a hug and say, and say, like, you're doing great. I know it hurts, but you're doing great. <laughs> Whew, I've cried so much. I'm probably going to cry again. But so... She had us imagine that we were in our favorite place, and I thought about the in Maui, the Lahaina Beach at sunset, and because that's my favorite place, uh, that's my favorite place I've ever been. It was just the most amazing thing in the whole world for me. So that that's where I thought about. And then she said, "Now imagine a dwelling," and there were houses along the beachside. So I just walked towards one of those houses. And she said, imagine that the person who answers the door is an older version of yourself. And this older version of yourself, like, completed her healing journey. Um, and she, she like, completed all the aspirations that you wanted to set for yourself. And the person who came to the door, I mean, 
she well who i imagined was like a little old granny lady with pink hair <laughs> and um i think that really does resemble me that's what i want to do when i grow up i i don't want to be like an old lady with white hair i want to i want to be funky still and and she wasn't dressed like particularly fancy she didn't have like a lot of fancy things in her house but like she told me that it's not about like the fancy things in life it's about like human connection and she she came and she gave me a hug and she said you're you're doing such a good job and she said i i know it hurts i know it hurts but like look at me look at everything i've been able to accomplish and something that's very very important to me is helping women understand their worth as i'm sure you know if you're listening to this podcast you know that's a passion of mine and she did that she did that as as much as she was capable of doing oh and that's i feel is my life's purpose but sometimes it's hard, it's easy to tell, for me to tell women of their worth, but it's hard for me to see it in myself. And she, she old Rachel was able to see that in herself. And um, during the meditation, the counselor told us to imagine that our older self gave us a gift. And um, old Rachel reached out and I opened my hand present Rachel did and what she gave me was a locket a heart a heart-shaped locket and on the inside was a picture of old Rachel and she told me to remember everything that I want to accomplish and understand that it's completely within reach that it's completely obtainable for me and to never forget her and to to think about her every time I set a goal and remember that it is possible that she's there waiting for me in the future and I want to make her proud. And uh, she she gave me another hug and then I had to walk away from her. And that was a really hard thing to do. They told us, um, the counselor told us to pretend like envision that we were walking away from the dwelling and we had all that knowledge that our older selves gave us but it was hard because i was just so in awe of older rachel and i felt safe in her presence and i had to walk away knowing that i had to make her proud but i had the locket in my hand and i pretend like i have that locket still i still feel like i have her heart with me and i I guess i do because it is my heart but I wanted to make her proud and I, I want to remember that that in that locket is everything I already have it within me and healing is possible healing isn't something I don't feel like it's a destination I feel like it's something that we continually strive for because we can't go back and change the past we can't go back and change and change the traumas that happened to us we can accept them and move forward and and be a, a better version of ourself one of the things that i wanted to do i said as an aspiration after uh for after the retreat is to not only find my voice more but to help others find their voice and so 
if you're listening and you have past traumas, no matter what it is, no matter if it is sexual in nature or maybe you had a grew up in a dysfunctional household where um, you suffered emotional trauma, maybe spiritual, um, even physical abuse, you can heal from that. You can heal from that. There are many resources out there for you. And if you think that you would benefit from a retreat like Sapria, I... I encourage you to go because it really changed my life. And I want you to know it's never too late for healing. This happened to me when I was young and I didn't even uh, accept it or like understand it or process it until I was, until I think five years later when I was an adult. And um, it took uh, like a horrible situation for that to happen. The, the person who had done this to me had charges of rape of so another girl and I realized then that I, I wasn't crazy because I had been gaslighting myself for years but I wasn't crazy like what happened to me was wrong and and I can feel I, I can have peace with knowing that that what happened to me is wrong what happened to me did cause trauma and a lot of the women that came to the retreat, like, there was, like, ladies that were close to 60 years old. And that kind of sh- shook me because I thought that there would be, like, a lot of y- kind of younger women like me, like, in their 20s. But it just, it was so inspiring to me to see that those women still, you know, accepted that they need help. That they needed help. It's never too old. You're not, ne- the trauma in the past was it doesn't matter how many years have gone by because you're worth the work you're worth the healing please 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 believe that as always please remember you were and are always worthy.